It was hard to comprehend how you can easily carry a gun and walk around and go to restaurants and coffee shops, but not a camera. Hello and welcome to Holding Heritage. This is a space to explore and have honest conversations around the Asian North American experience. We'll focus on Canadian refugee stories, family, heritage, and bridging generational gaps. My name is Holly. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello, hello, and welcome to today's episode of Holding Heritage, one that is part of another newcomer entrepreneur series in collaboration with Vancouver Island's Immigrant Welcome Centers, Welcoming Communities Coalition, and Campbell River's People's Project Magazine, which features a number of amazing individuals within the community. The goal of these interviews aims to learn more about and amplify the voices of newcomers to Campbell River who own businesses in the community. We chat with them about their stories, successes, and challenges to help dispel negative misconceptions about the impact of newcomers on the Canadian economy. We want to highlight diversity and underrepresented voices and contribute to making our communities more welcoming for all. In this episode, Christine Salzman from the Immigrant Welcome Center and I talk with Sarmad Amalam, born and raised in Syria, a photographer and current owner-manager of Campbell River's local camera store, Phototech Photosource. Speaking with Sarmad was such a pleasure. He brings into the room so much kindness and creativity. In our chat, he opens up to us about his personal experiences leaving Syria in 2015, making his way into Canada under protected person status, finding his footing in Campbell River, and how he has now become a local business owner. Let's get right into it, and as always, head over to holdingheritage.com to see today's episode show notes for more information. My name is Sarmad Mwalem. I'm a photographer, owner-manager of uh, Phototech Photosource Camper River. I've born in Damascus, Syria, originally from a small town like 50k away from Damascus. Okay. Uh, mountain, snow, so-called. I studied elementary to university in Damascus and worked there most of my time. And the hometown was just like for summer times and meeting with family. We got a house there yeah. for the family gathering and so before I leave I tried to do a visit before I leave and it was like all controlled by military so I had a hard time going in but I did and honestly I wish I didn't because like this is when I saw everything like down I felt like I didn't want to remember it like this for the last time before I leave, I went to uh, Latakia, which is like the ocean side of the country, to camp for a couple of days with friends and say goodbye to them. I was leaving to uh, the state, then Canada. I went on the ocean there, and I can see the beautiful mountains and the beautiful Syrian landscapes. And you can see all the smoke and bombing. And, and for me, that was the peaceful. Like I was like, I'm enjoying the landscapes. And... It was an awesome time, but it's just like a little bit the paradox. Like we were having fun in that little like part of the beach, but I don't know, one k across, it's just totally a war zone. <laughs> like after growing up in Damascus, Sarmad left for the first time in 2013 to the U.S. He then went back briefly and left again for the last time in 2015. I left. 
I left 2013 to New York and I came back. I was so nostalgic. It's like, you know what? You're an only child. I don't think my parents can make it outside the country. So honestly, I came back. I stayed for another year and a half and I left permanently 2015. I went again to the state, traveled from Pennsylvania, New York, settled a little bit and visited in Los Angeles, then went San Francisco, Seattle, and then I crossed to Canada because I honestly, I knew that I didn't want to stay in this state. Between legally, that it's going to be a hassle for maybe 10 years, and I felt I want to be in more, I don't want to say anything bad about any other country, but this state is... I think 360 million and here is like 34 million and I yeah. felt I love the West Coast so that was that's why I chose to move to BC. For Sarmad, leaving Syria logistically wasn't as challenging as it may have been for other Syrians since he was able to obtain visitor visas for the US both times that he left. But that definitely doesn't discount the emotional and mental tolls that come with having to leave your entire life, family, friends, and comfort behind, not to mention in a country going through so many layers of conflict and turmoil, only to step into even more uncertainty. So what was that process like of you leaving Syria? It was so easy to actually get to the state because I had a visa. It was just like emotionally and mentally it was hard on me because like I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to get sent back. I don't know if I'm going to see my family and parents and friends again. But legally, honestly, I had no problem as an engineer, like no record. So I, I had actually a visitor visa for the state and from there... It was a completely different process to come into Canada because I didn't have a visa, but going out was easy, yeah. Some people had more problems uh, leaving their hometowns to Damascus because I was more lucky we were living in Damascus, so it was controlled by the government. So basically you have a little bit of freedom of movement somehow, but mm -hmm. some places like control like extremists or ISIS or you have nothing. Like you're, you're in a completely different reality now, right. yeah. It's like 20k away from Damascus, but it's completely different reality. Um, so how did you decide it was time to leave Syria? How did you decide like the, in 2013 and then again in 2015 that that was the time to leave? I used to work with my dad. He got his own engineering company and my photography mentor was his best friend that became my mentor and my best friend. He was like, why did you come back from New York? And he was like, it's not, it's not going well. You, you should leave. And honestly, it became photography became everything I want to do. I was so focused on trying to do photography and produce art, but it was so hard. I love street photography, and it was so hard to carry a camera in the street. So hard. So you can easily carry a gun and walk around and go to restaurants and coffee shops, but not a camera. What would happen? Did people think you were a journalist? Yeah. Or? Um, if you weren't from like a government or a newspaper and you have specific passes and you're not allowed to walk around with a camera. Because everything was controlled by military and secret service and all these branches. So like you don't know who you're dealing with once and it might be just for money. Like you want to take money and it might be more than that. Like you don't know, you might be shooting an old house in old Damascus and it's like a, a logistic or for the, they already took over. Like, and I was like, uh, you know what, I, I can't do that anymore. Like uh, photography is everything I want to do. It's, it's For me, it's like mentally it was hard to comprehend how you can walk around with a gun and 
and no one will approach you from the government and the camera is dangerous. Was there ever a time where you did feel in danger carrying your camera? Oh, all the time. It's not like all the time. You're carrying a camera and walking the street. And I got approached every single time. You solve it once by money, second by like deleting what's on your card or calling someone knows someone. <laughs> he knows, uh, yeah. It got dealt with at the spot immediately, but it was different approach every time. And the thing is like, you don't know who's government anymore with what's going on. So they will say who they are and they want to take your camera. Of course, it's like, you start to like, what can we do? Should I delete everything? And he was like, no, that won't work. So now it's like, okay, is it money? But there is a point that it's not worth it anymore. And a friend of mine actually, he's already a US citizen and his wife is working in Damascus and he had to go back and, and he was like, dude, I, I just, I can't, especially we both of us shoot film. And it's like, I can't risk it. So I can't do what I love. So it's exactly the same spot again, even now, yeah, even now, still. Sarmad left Syria in fall of 2015 to the U.S. Although he had a visitor visa, Sarmad wanted to eventually go to Canada, Campbell River specifically, where his godfather lived. So when did you land in Canada? It was like a little bit before my birthday. I think my plane to Seattle was in the 14th from uh, San Francisco. I think I was the 15th or the 16th of uh, September. So how many months were you in the States for? I will say six or seven months. So did you kind of know your destination would be to see your godfather in Campbell River? Yes, for me it's like, at least I know someone there and West Coast, because I loved West Coast. So Yeah. yeah, I got the right to be a protected person in Canada and from there permanent resident and now I'm applying for a citizenship. I just did my test and passed it, so. We chatted with Sarmad about what it was like for him coming to the U.S. and Canada. And one of the really cool things that stood out to me was that being a big fan of stand-up comedy, Sarmad used it as a way to self-teach English, and in turn learned a lot about North American culture in general. I think it's incredible how art can reach corners of connection and influence like that. Did you come on your own both times? I came on my own times yeah what surprised you when you first came to i guess maybe the u.s and then canada were there any like cultural surprises or? not really honestly because tv and media and my second language is french and i love stand-up comedy i think it's comedy is the art of people so george Carlin is like one of my heroes that's why i self-taught english through comedy yeah comedy oh. and music yeah so honestly it wasn't a shock yeah it was like this is awesome this is exactly what i wanted while in syria sarmad studied electrical engineering and renewable energy and worked alongside his father's company doing large-scale mechanical and electrical contracting for projects like hospitals When he came to Canada, though, he chose to focus on and pursue his passion for photography and art. And what was your first job when you came to Campbell River? First official job was dishwashing and uh, HBI on Quadra. I volunteered a little bit, I helped a little bit doing some events, but official job was HBI dishwasher. But you have a a background also in renewable energy and engineering? Yes, I studied electrical engineering and then took a measure in renewable energy. Eight years of university. (laughs) Did you ever use any of that here in Canada or the US? Honestly, I didn't try. The only thing I did is I checked if I'm allowed to, and actually I am, I I should just work under 
supervisor that got 10 years experience in BC. Uh, but I didn't try hard, to be honest. I was more happy to find the dishwashing job and be with my dogs and live the island life for a while and try to do something through photography. When did that passion start for you? It started middle school, but I always loved art. And honestly, I didn't want to even study engineering in the first place. But only child, uh, my dad built the company since like 82 and I love science but I was more focused I want to do art and like theater and I felt like photography was the medium that I felt I can be connected and communicate with other people and show them my view so when I left it's like you know what I want to do art so just do it that's that, that's why I left because here you have those options before we jump into how Sarmad became the owner of Phototech Photosource, he also shared with us how a few years after he arrived to Campbell River, his parents were also able to join him. We chatted about finding community and how that has impacted both him and his parents here in Canada. A lot of what he expressed resonated with both Christine and I, and perhaps many of you listening as well. Can we circle back? Because you mentioned your parents came in yeah. 2017, 2018. So when you left, you said you were only child. So mm -hmm. you left um, your, your, behind your parents. I, I left actually uh, everyone, like parents, all the family, and I didn't. I, and I, I was like, don't be nostalgic at the last. Like this is this is not going to do you any good. You're leaving. You might never see them again. So I prepared myself for this. Like I might not see my family, my dogs, my. Uh, this is all so it was a little bit hard but in 2017 uh, the syrian refugee committee there is two people canceled their application they contact me it's like do you think your parents want to come so i called them and like yeah of course like wow, wow. so yeah so had you tried to get them here previously no no okay. do they not want to or you didn't think it would be possible? I didn't think it's honestly possible. Between the fundraise, like I don't know if I don't know if this is possible for me now. So it was a lucky strike when these two two people cancelled. How have they adjusted? Honestly it's a little bit hard, especially here. I try to move far away as I can from my community, if you want to say, like Syrians, where it's like, they have lots of friends in Toronto, and you know, there is like some neighborhoods. I tried my best not to be there, because when I travel to the state, there is a little town in Pennsylvania, got like high Syrian, and I didn't like what I saw there. Like people have been there 30 years, and they don't even speak a word of English, because they don't need to which is I felt like that's not a way to live. It's, this is not what I want. You have the freedom to move wherever you want, to do your business wherever you want. With all due respect, I didn't like the little Syria. Or It's nice, you can go and, and feel like home. But in some ways, especially if you got abused a little bit, I think it's harmful. It keeps you away from being part of the Canadian community. So I tried my best, honestly, to be away. I, I don't want to feel like, oh, if I didn't have someone uh, share the same like cultural background or the heritage, that I won't be able to do it. I felt this is wrong. So. No, I, I understand. Like when my grandparents came, they um, live in Steveston in Richmond, and mm -hmm. there's a big Japanese community there, and they've been here over 50 years and they don't really speak English and so like it can be very comforting obviously to find De people from the same culture but then yeah you don't end up um, 
connecting as well with the outside community? Uh, honestly, maybe it's also a generation issue. Like for me, it might not work, but I now when I look at my parents, like they're super lonely and they're like mm, they have they're more isolated they're more isolated and they both like they speak english my mom like fluent in french but both like speak english no problem but i can tell how uh, the social habits yeah they miss having friends all around so that's also like i was speaking myself but i felt like maybe for my parents it were much better to be around they have their son actually as an only child like ah oh, god damn it because they they because <laughs> like honestly i feel their loneliness sometimes mm. but they don't care because they know i'm there i'm doing my thing they're happy for me yeah so sometimes i feel i'm responsible a little bit that's tough yeah I personally think that the point that Sarmad brought up about the differences between generations in terms of finding comfort in communities holds a lot of truth. Perhaps being part of the younger generation comes with slightly more curiosity or willingness to explore and venture outside of our comfort zones, whereas our older generations may find much more solace and a feeling of home when immersed in a more familiar community. Like Sarmad also mentioned, many of us as children may shoulder some burden or feeling of responsibility when it comes to these situations. Like our older generations have sacrificed shards of their comfort and true feeling of belonging in order to support our generation's growth and futures. I feel as though this is an incredibly common and widespread occurrence among immigrant and refugee communities across the country. What do you miss about Damascus? Or is there any way that you maintain connections to Syrian culture? Internet, definitely. But yeah. I don't know, like, is this, I'll be brutally honest, I miss nothing. And, like, I have anger toward the country and what's going on there. I miss the friends. I miss the people that I grew up with. Because mm -hmm. I, I studied in uh, Old Damascus, which is a beautiful city from elementary to university. So I, I have those feelings toward not the place, the people, and maybe what, what we used to do as friends, and, but even I don't care even if it's going well, not at all. You wouldn't go back? No, oh, not at all. Last summer, Sarmad was the artist-in-residence at Campbell River's Walter Morgan Studio for four months and ran photography workshops for the community during that time as well. You were um, an artist in residence out here for a year, right? Yeah, last year. Was that last year? Last oh, year, yeah. Okay. The um, summer of 2021. It was an amazing experience. I couldn't finish all of it. It was like huge. I wanted to work with local artists and the people on the street. Yeah. But I got really occupied by the artists and like how, how many we have on the island. And, and so I kept like, you know what? Just focus on the artists. You can do your own project with... The, homelessness and did you end up continuing that project this year i worked with them a little bit there is like some events the art gallery uh, organized like walk with me and the background stories so i did take some picture and but that's not the project that i'm looking for like personal portraitures that i'm going to do it on tintypes so it's a little bit different approach and technically it's a little bit harder to do it out side okay but that's that's definitely my next project um through photography and being an artist and being a newcomer how do you help people see the community in a different lens do you think through your art i don't know if i can help i try to like i try to show people what's my perspective on art culture or sometimes street photography is my favorite 
So I don't know if that will help this art called the Eye of the Beholder. Like I don't like to push something towards the audience. So the residency was like an eye opener for me because lots of people is like, we can see your style, which is I don't recognize it. You try to build a style as an artist, but you you, you struggle through that. So it's it's for me honestly was so nice. So I felt like. I'm developing style. I'm I'm exposing sometimes artists to the to the community in a different look. Artists definitely got a huge part of helping and put a little balance on what we go go through right now. The passion Sarmad has for his art, photography, and community as a whole shines through so brightly when he speaks about it. It's no surprise then when hearing about his journey to becoming the owner and manager of Phototech Photosource. And so how did you end up being uh, the owner of Phototech Photosource? All I wanted to do as I started photography and you only have one store in town was Phototech Photosource. So I applied, I was still living on Quadra, I applied for a part-time job, I didn't get it. And when I moved back to town, it's the only place, real like mom and pop photography and camera store. They weren't hiring, but no one was doing film back then. And they were sending film sometimes to Seattle to get developers like, oh, wow. I will do film in-house. So they hired me to subcontracting to do films. And from there, like the relationship a little bit evolved. And they wanted me to manage when they left the store for three months. And from managing the store, they actually, they wanted to retire. So like, they left to Victoria and I managed the store for another eight months, I think. And when they decided that was it for them, it was it was a risky move. It was like COVID time, buying you know buying a business in COVID time, but I rolled the dice, took the risk, and I bought the business. When did you officially take over? I think February 2021. Mm. Yeah. So just like last year. Yeah, just last year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, how has the community supported you? The time? the community is the only like that's why we're still standing. Honestly, it's super hard for a small business. With what's going on, the big companies are taking over, everything is online, we're at the bottom of the line with uh, inventory, and it, it's super hard to compete. But honestly, the locals and the community, like lots of people, like, I want to shop local, and I don't care if my gear didn't come in a month, I want it from Phototech, which is awesome. And honestly, that's the only reason we're still standing. Um, do you have any projects in the works? Uh, right now, I'm working with doing more uh, Polaroid on a 1932 camera. I started a little project with a co-worker, and I'm um, 4x5 Polaroid is my going on project now. Will we get to see it anytime soon? Or of course, maybe, yeah. Maybe like in the gallery? or um, I'm working now with a couple of artists to do a little gallery in the store. So I'm going to empty a space and rotate the artwork and it's going to be photography oriented, but we're trying to focus on film photography, especially like the young generation now is more interested in film photography, which is oh, yeah? awesome because it's just about um, the craftsmanship, developing the film and definitely shooting on film makes you a better photographer because it's not like spray and pray thing. The film is expensive, developing is expensive, so you got to think about the shot before you... Yeah, so hopefully that will be a little project, a little gallery in the store. 
Do you have any advice for newcomers who come to Campbell River in Canada? You know, if I'm positioned, I would just say like, love it and enjoy it. It's an amazing country. It's an amazing place where like we have freedom of speech, the landscapes. It's, it's, it's seriously, Canada is a beautiful country. Everywhere needs like keep evolving and the history is everywhere. But now we have just to recognize the mistakes that we did and go forward and appreciate what we have. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Sarmad Mualim. Uh, I'm a photographer, owner manager of uh, Phototech Photosource Camper River. If you like to check my work, you can follow me on Instagram. Sarmad Al-Mualim or Facebook, also under Sarmad Al-Mualim, building my website. It's going to take me a while, but <laughs> for now on Instagram and Facebook. That wraps up our chat with Sarmad, owner and manager of Phototech Photosource in Campbell River on Vancouver Island, located at 1260 Shoppers Row. Be sure to check it out, support the store, and stock up on all of your camera and photography goods or bring in any questions that you may have. I feel so grateful to be able to share these local stories and interviews, and I hope you enjoy listening to them. Also catch the featured article by Christine Salzman, published in Campbell River's People's Project magazine. Thank you for joining me today and I'll meet you back here again very very soon. Bye! Intro and outro music by Blue Wednesday. Be sure to check him out. He's amazing. And as always, Holding Heritage is proudly created, produced, and geographically based on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded lands of the Tsleil-Waututh and Comox nations of the Coast Salish peoples.